Hi, this is Connor Trenier. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello, and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is Rico, your host. Thanks to Connor Trenier for that quick little intro there. Uh, this will be podcast number 157. It is January the 13th, 2008, uh, early Sunday morning, about 8.30 in the morning. Uh, a lot of people uh, on a Sunday morning are probably still in bed, you know, trying to rest up. Uh, but, you know, Rico here, podcasting away. Got my orange Gatorade ready to go. Uh, Going to do uh, a lot of things this week, actually. We've got a lot to talk about, some new ideas, some new things, uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And the old-timers... Not, not that you're old, you know what I mean by that, <laughs> but people that have been listening for months and years to the show, I think we're going to have a, a really good one this week. We're going to look at uh, a very good episode from Enterprise, the third season, called Similitude. Uh, I think that's how you say it, Similitude. Uh, it's, it's a great episode. If you haven't seen it in a while, um, one thing I wanted to mention, I'll just say it here. I've been trying to put uh, a streaming uh, little... Uh, uh, basically a little uh, flash video of each week's episode or whatever I happen to maybe be talking about on the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums, which you can find over at treksandsci-fi.com. And yesterday I put up uh, a little stream of the episode Similitude. Uh, hey, don't tell Paramount on me, okay? You know. <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot to cover. Got some collectible talk, news about uh, some interesting tidbits and news about the Star Trek movie. It's things going on the past week and things coming up in the next week or two, uh, and some uh, new stuff being uh, talked about on the internet about the movie. Uh, other news, and uh, to start off with, though, we've got a, a long kind of intro uh, music discussion topic about. Uh, the new Sarah Connor Chronicles. This comes to us from our buddy Vartok. So listen to this, and I'll be back in a few minutes. Hello, everyone. This is Vartok, and you are listening to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast starring Rico Dosti. And coming up soon, on Sunday and Monday, January 13th and 14th, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Remember at the end of Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Sarah Connor's vanquish the Terminator sent from the future to kill her teenage son, John Connor. Sarah and John now find themselves alone in a very dangerous, complicated world. Fugitives from the law, they are confronted with the reality that still more enemies from the future or the present could attack at any moment. Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, reveals what happens when Sarah, played by Lena Headey, stops running and goes on the offensive against an ever-evolving technological enemy bent on destroying her life, perhaps the world. Her son, 15-year-old John Connor, played by Thomas Decker, knows that he may be the future savior of mankind, but he's not ready to take on the mantle of leadership that he is told it's his destiny. John finds himself inextricably drawn to Cameron, an enigmatic and otherworldly student at his high school who soon proves to be more than just his confidant. She assumes the role of Sarah and John's fearless protector. On their trail are not only threats from the future, but an intelligent and tough FBI agent, James Ellison, who soon becomes a powerful ally. Did you just move here? Yes. Yeah. Does it meet any pretty girls? 
My dad was a soldier who was killed on a mission. I'm sorry. The cops will never find us. We're safe. Don't you think that, John? Don't you ever think that? You're full of secrets. It's the robots. The ones from the future? They're computers like from the 50s. They're computers? They scare the heck out of me if you want to know the truth. They're just machines. My mom, she's kind of uptight. No one is ever safe. Sarah Connor. Everything we fought to stop. I'm not who they think I am. I can't lead an army. Nothing matters anymore. The future's ours. Terminator, the Sarah Connors Chronicles, will be showing on Fox starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. My Skrillian-class cruiser, TiVo, is already programmed for both Sunday and Monday night for the first two hours. From what I saw, Rico, the trailer, the production values look excellent, and the stainless steel Terminators are Bach. Y'all, Sarah Connor, you come with me if you want to live, eh? You come to California, I put you in the governor's mansion, okay? Well, I guess Arnold actually isn't in this one. That's my real lame attempt at uh, an Arnold impression. I'll be back. Yeah, not very good. But anyway, thanks, Vartok, for that uh, cool intro. Yeah, I'm really excited by this for a couple of reasons. First, uh, the Terminator movies, of course, are are excellent. Uh, I've enjoyed all of them, even the last one, which people weren't really that keen on. And the, and the other cool thing about this show is, frankly, there's not a lot of new stuff on, on the air right now. Stargate Atlantis is back. Uh, and uh, that's about it as far as sci-fi, new, new sci-fi on TV, I think, right now. So... I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, tonight, the first episode. I know they were streaming it or, or showing it on Yahoo TV, I think. Uh, you could watch a preview of it, and there are a few other ways to watch a preview, but I haven't seen it yet. I'd like to watch it uh, when it first airs uh, on the network uh, in HD on the big screen, so I'll be watching tonight. Okay, let's get into uh, some of our regular normal topics. Again, welcome to uh, this week's show, everyone. Uh, this uh, We've got a few things to discuss. Uh, uh, well, first off, I'd like to talk about a few recent movies I saw. I finally saw this movie called uh, Sunshine. I know that came out, uh, gosh, I don't know when it came out, six months ago or something like that. I don't know when it was in the theaters, but uh, I finally watched, uh, rented uh, through my uh, favorite place, Netflix, and, and watched Sunshine. And I have to say this is a pretty cool movie. Uh, the production values, the look of it was very cool. Uh, it was very, I thought, a fairly realistic, uh, at least uh, scientifically, portrayal of a, a trip to uh, to the sun. Basically, this group of uh, individuals has to go uh, and plant a bomb, basically, on the sun to reignite it because it's failing uh, in order to uh, keep the heat and sunshine and everything flowing to the earth, or the earth is and everyone on it is basically going to perish. And uh, Basically, this uh, trip is about uh, their mission and what happens to them on the mission. I'm not going to say a lot about the plot. I think uh, for sci-fi fans, I think you'll enjoy the movie. Uh, towards the end, it gets a little strange uh, is, is all I'm going to say on that. Uh, some people I don't think were, were super pleased with, uh, with the way it turned uh, at, certain, at a certain point in the movie. It kind of changes uh, 
the way it uh, it starts out, I'll, I'll just say. So anyway, but I think it was good. It was interesting, and I enjoyed it. So Sunshine. So there's one. Um, I also went to see the new UA or UB or whatever you say his name, Bull, uh, the German uh, crazy director and, and who's done some pretty schlocky uh, movie, sci-fi, fantasy-type things. He does a lot of video game to movie uh uh, types of productions and and this one that he did is uh in the name of the king uh, a dungeon siege movie is uh well i saw it yesterday with uh, my friend mark and uh, i have to say it was uh not the greatest movie not the worst movie i've ever seen uh actually the the look of it was pretty good he does a lot of filming in europe in the mountains for this movie so it looks very otherworldly very you know i wouldn't say other uh like lord of the rings you know how that had a very unique look because they filmed so much of it around in new zealand in some unusual arees but uh this movie does have a have a nice has a nice look to it but you know it just doesn't take itself really seriously and and the cast that's in it is really odd they have ray leosha however you say his uh last name he's in it he's kind of the bad guy and jason statham who's that uh action hero guy the transporter guy is kind of the hero of the movie uh and you know there's some other people uh that pop up uh, actually Burt Reynolds plays the king which is kind of funny haven't seen him in a while in a movie but uh it's you know you, you kind of click your your brain off a little bit there's this one scene I'll just tell you about uh where there uh there's this guy and they they've kind of been captured and he's kind of uh, chained up to a wall inside the castle along with some other people and there's this girl next to him and uh and he turns to her at one point and and he just kind of smiles and says so where are you from you know almost like he was in a bar picking up a girl so that that gives you a little uh, a little taste of the dialogue uh, you know of the movie but eh, for a couple hours at the movie it was kind of a fun time okay before i get into uh the other uh, news and information uh i'd like to talk uh, or or actually not talk sorry i'd like to play a uh voicemail that i got tevin gotten a uh, one of these uh in a little while you can always call uh, if you want to call the podcast 206-666-127. That's the voicemail line for the show. Uh, I've got a new listener here named Don who has uh, f- some things to say. So let me play this call for you, and I'll be right back. Hi, Rico. My name's Don, and I just found out about your podcast and I'm really enjoying it. I just uh, listened to the Space 1999 one. That brings some old good memories back. Um, I was wondering if you uh, were familiar with an old show from that time period also. I think it was British produced. It was called UFO or UFO. And um, it was very interesting also and uh, had some pretty good for the time uh, production values, I guess. And also, you didn't comment uh, on the Space 1999 uh, clip, but um, one of the aliens said, uh, resistance is futile. And uh, I wonder if it's not too far of a stretch that uh, the writers on Trek might have stolen that for the Borg. Anyway, keep up the good work. Live long and prosper. Well, thanks very much uh, for for your call, Don. Always great to hear from a new person uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, yeah, the, the show UFO or UFO, um, I believe was uh, there was a base on the moon another moon based type show and they were basically a group of protectors against ufo threats to uh and i think there was a specific one but i only saw a couple of episodes of that uh 
ever. So I'm going to have to find that, uh, maybe rent it uh, and check it out again sometime. I've heard some good things about it. Uh, I enjoy some of the British uh, sci-fi shows over the years, Doctor Who, obviously Space 1999, uh, The Prisoner was a British-based show, and uh, kind of a sci-fi show in a way, I guess. But yeah, and The Thunderbirds, of course, is a, is a big favorite of mine, the uh, the Super Marionation, Jerry Anderson show. Jerry, of course, also worked on uh, Space 1999. And as far as that Borg comment, resistance is futile, I'm not sure. You know, it's it's hard to say where some of this stuff comes from because I've heard that phrase used uh, in a lot of different shows and movies over the years to a degree. Uh, so I'm not really sure if they did it consciously or unconsciously, if they were thinking specifically about Space 1999 when they when they came up with that line. But, uh, yeah, kind of interesting stuff. So, anyway, thanks, Don, for listening, and I hope you continue to enjoy the podcast. Okay, let's click over into uh, some Trek movie news, a few things going on in the Trek movie world. Uh, The first one I wanted to comment about, uh, a few days ago, uh, maybe it was Wednesday, Thursday, last week, Thursday, I think, uh, a trailer, which turned out to be a, a fake uh, Star Trek movie trailer, turned up online. I think it was originated out of Germany. It basically is a voiceover with Leonard Nimoy saying that, you know, the space, the final frontier. There's kind of a shot of them cruising through the solar system, and then it just shows kind of a space dock apparatus with, with the Enterprise inside of it. doesn't show much. Uh, and some of the film and footage that uh, they did show in it I've seen before, there's one little, uh, I think, a real giveaway, which they use this little uh, shot of uh, that little pod. If you remember in the first Star Trek film, that little pod that Scotty takes Kirk to visit the Enterprise in, they they take a shot of that, which to me, when I first saw it, it was a dead giveaway that this was wrong for a few reasons. One, this is not at, in that era, really. You know, keep in mind, this is an early, early uh, time frame of Starfleet, well, not of really of Starfleet, but of the Enterprise and Kirk and everyone. So that little pod looking the same as it did in the motion picture well, doesn't really make sense. Uh, plus, there wasn't really much footage at all shown in it, and using the voiceover I thought was kind of, uh, I don't expect them to do that, let's just say, for the real trailer, which is still going to be attached to the Cloverfield movie coming out this coming Friday, January 18th. So I expect all the Star Trek fans out there to be out in force uh, especially Friday and this weekend, to see Cloverfield, just to see that trailer. Of course, it'll be online, but I think the movie uh, Cloverfield looks pretty interesting as well. So I'm going to try, of course, to go out on Friday night and check that whole thing out. So, yeah, it was kind of unfortunate. You know, these Star Trek trailers, they've had a lot of movie ones that have been out there on YouTube and the Internet over the last few months. Most of them pretty much claim, you know, hey, I just put this together for some footage that, or some old footage that I found. I thought it would be kind of fun, some... Some people have tried to use clips that were uh, related to what the supposed storyline is going to relate to and all that. But, you know, until you see it from the source on on an official website such as, you know, Apple.com does a lot of movie trailers. I'm sure it will be at StarTrek.com. Another good uh, site is ComingSoon.net that I, I go to quite often to see movie trailers. Until you see it someplace official like that, I wouldn't really trust it is um, my only comment. Plus, I really think they've kept this... Uh, this whole production and J.J. Abrams and his team are really doing a good job at keeping uh, secrets to, to as good a degree as they possibly can. So I think that's uh, that's an important thing. And I don't think the trailer is going to slip out before Friday. I really don't. Uh, 
they may release it on the net at about the same time. Might show up late Thursday night. Who knows? But I think these guys are doing a great job at keeping things as under control and as secret as possible. So I have to hand it to them for that. I really don't want to be spoiled that much. I like to see a little, hear a little, but I don't really want to know too much. I want to be a little bit surprised. So uh, anyway, we will be looking forward to that at the end of the week. The other bit of news I wanted to pass on in regards to the movie is there are some talks and and, and scuttlebutt going on about, and, and this is a rumor and just discussion right now. You know, right now the, the movie is supposed to uh, come out on Christmas Day, uh, 12 uh, at the end of the year, basically 2008. Well, there have been some discussions. You know, originally way back when, the Star Trek movie was supposed to be a summer movie, a 2008 summer movie. Well, that fairly quickly got changed when things and delays happened and uh, some other issues, uh, you know, they didn't want to go up against certain summer blockbusters. I mean, this coming summer in 2008 is going to be really filled with some major movies. The Batman movie, uh, another Narnia movie, Indiana Jones, of course, Iron Man, another Hulk. I mean, the list goes on and on. So if it was me and I was and I was putting out a Star Trek movie, I, I'd try to avoid that. Uh, so they decided to go for a holiday release. Well, the the biggest thing I think I'm taking from the stories I'm reading now is that they may Paramount may move up the release by a few days, possibly even a week uh, in December next year in, instead of having it come out on Christmas Day. And I think that would be great. I'd rather really it didn't come out on Christmas Day. I think that I don't think it's going to really overall hurt the box office that much. But frankly, I don't think, you know, I know there are people that go out, they have their Christmas, they have a nice dinner, and then they do go out to the movies. I've done it before, actually. Uh, and, of course, if Star Trek comes out that day, I would certainly be out there seeing it that day. But I do believe if they had it come out just a few days before Christmas uh, or even up to a week before Christmas, I think overall it would probably get a better uh, uh, showing and better uh, reception, and I think they do really well. And the great thing right now, it's looking like next uh, holidays and Christmas time, it looks like Star Trek has a pretty wide-open field, especially in the sci-fi fantasy realm. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of competition, which is going to be a really a good thing. Of course, when Nemesis came out, the last Star Trek film, it went up against uh, the second of the Lord of the Rings movies, The Two Towers. Actually, it went up against it, I think, the very same weekend. They both came out at the same time. And yeah, I think that movie was good. Uh, you know, maybe not the best Star Trek movie, but going up against Lord of the Rings didn't do it any favors. So uh, it, it look it's looking like a lot better this time, Star Trek. And I think there's a lot of pent-up demand, I think, by next Christmas. I think there's going to be a lot of people, both fans and just casual fans, that will be out there to see the new Star Trek film. Okay, right now I'd like to play a uh, another little excerpt from the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, which you can find over at treksandsci-fi.com. Uh, a segment and a, uh, a reading of a RPG, which is the role-playing game that we run with the USS Tiberius crew, and we're wrapping up now season four of the RPG game. And Jen has kindly offered some of her time and recorded a. Uh, reading of one of the posts that someone has made on the forums and on the RPG game. So listen to this. This is Duffster's second post as Lieutenant Cedric Tain. I really enjoyed the action scenes and the way that Duffster describes them. He went as far as adding an accent to one of the characters' dialogue. I thought that was a nice touch and gave it some depth. So anyway, without further ado, here's Duffster's post. Tane knew where the trouble was going to come from long before it happened. There were about 
five of them sitting in a corner table. Five sleazy-looking thugs. They had been casting glances over at Tane for the last hour. Tane knew the type. He'd been one of them long ago. He only hoped that they had some brains. As one of them got up and strolled Tane's way, he knew they didn't. Hey, big guy, the group spokesman said. You look like you can handle yourself pretty well. You want to make some creds tonight? Tane looked down at the grubby little man. The cretin was twitching and sniffing, obviously tweaked out on something, and smelled of rotten decay. He knew it wouldn't work, but he tried anyway. Just shooting some pool, Mac. I ain't looking for money or friends tonight. Tane turned his back to the man, bent down to the pool table, and sighted up the nine ball. Oh, I see. Big shot, yeah? The little man sniffed. Well, me and my boys need some muscle, and you look like you'll do. I was just playing at being nice. It really wasn't an invitation, you see. Tane sensed the movement behind him and slowly straightened up and turned around. The odorous fellow had something resembling a weapon pointed at him. Now why don't you and me head back over to my table? The man's eyes had a crazy glint to them now. Tane knew he would need to time things perfectly. The weapon the man held looked hacked together. But that didn't mean it wouldn't be lethal if it got hit by it. Well, Tane rumbled. Since you put it that way, maybe I could use the extra credits. Let me just clear the table here. As Tane bent down to sweep the balls from the table into the pockets, he heard the sleazebag start to say, Hey, leave the balls alone, star. That was the last sound the man heard for a very long time, as Tane grabbed one of the pool balls and quickly threw it as hard as he could into the man's chest. It made a sickening crunch and just kind of stuck there, lodged in his ribcage. The thug dropped immediately. Instantly, the other members of the thug's group were on their feet, running towards Tane. Tane looked them over quick. Two of them could cause some problems, so he focused on them first. The patrol asked the bartender later what exactly he saw. I ain't never seen anything like it, the bartender recalled. How can someone that big move that fast? He dropped the two biggest of them in seconds. I don't even know what he did to them, but they dropped like they was dead. The other two looked like they was going to run, but they didn't let him. Broke both their arms and left them squealing there like stuck pigs. After that, they kicked him in the ribs and came over here and sat right there where he is now. He passed me over a credit chip and told me to take out the damages and to call you. <laughs> nope, never seen anything like that. The patrolman looked over at the big man. He sat there sipping his drink, looking with those dead eyes back at him. The patrolman sighed and walked over to him. Well, buddy, even though these guys are the scum of the earth, we gotta take you in. Tane looked back at the cop. He slowly reached into his pocket, and he slapped over his Starfleet ID and laid his orders out on the counter. The patrolman looked over the ID. Crap. This makes it more difficult. He looked over at his partner. Billy, call over to Starfleet. Tell him we got one of their lieutenants down here, and he's in a big bit of trouble. He looked over at Tane and thought to himself that it didn't look like it was the first time he'd been in trouble, nor the last. Well, thanks a lot, Jen. That was great. I think your uh, your southern uh, background <laughs> helped out a lot in reading that post. Uh, great post by the Duffster and great reading by Jen. Thanks very much to both of them. And uh, 
We'll be uh, updating everyone regularly, and we may have some special surprises uh, coming up from uh, the RPG game for the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Hi, everyone. This is Jen. We just ended the fourth season of the RPG, and we'll soon be beginning the fifth. So if you're interested in joining our Motley crew, all you have to do is come by the Trex and Sci-Fi forum and drop me a line. Let me know. I'd be more than happy to help you out. I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, the last uh, couple things I wanted to mention uh, before we get into talking about the Enterprise episode Similitude, a uh, couple of little things. First is, if you are on the forums or you'd like to join up, we are starting the, uh, the or actually we are into the next book of the book club. It's uh, called Taking Wing. It's a uh, story about Riker and crew aboard the USS Titan. It's a good book, and we are also starting to uh, take some votes and pick the next book, which will probably take place during the month of February. So, uh, And the uh, other thing that I think I announced last week and we're working on is going to be doing an interview with the guys who wrote the Star Trek book, uh, Taking Wing, that we're reading right now. So if you're a book reader, check out uh, things in the book club over at the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. On Christmas Day, open hailing frequencies with the latest chapter in science fiction audio drama. Star Trek The Continuing Mission beams off the World Wide Web and into your MP3 player with all new adventures from the 24th century with an all-new captain. I'm Captain Paul Edwards of the Federation Starship Montana. You are ordered to stand down your attack and prepare to be boarded. Featuring an all-new starship and an all-new crew. Security Officer Plummer. Energizing defense fields, bringing weapons online. Chief Engineer McGuire. Captain, I can't keep a stationary at anything less than Block 1. Science Officer Natukov. The Romulan warship has been disabled, Captain, but there is an energy buildup like nothing I've ever seen. Communications Officer Knight. It seems the Klingons are jamming our communications. Only, the jamming modulation isn't of Klingon standard, sir. Chief Medical Officer Kyle Wilson. Now, if you'd excuse me, Captain, I have to finish briefing the trauma teams. And Ace Helm Officer Susan Palmer. Three minutes from Standard Orbit, Captain. As they boldly go where no crew has gone before. Star Trek, the continuing mission. Available for download only at continuingmission.com. Yeah, definitely go check out continuingmission.com from our uh, friend Sebastian Pruth, his uh, partner Andy Tyrer, working on uh, that uh, cool new audio Star Trek drama. The first episode is out now, Ghost Ship. Uh, Definitely check it out. Very good production, very good production values. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Looking forward to more. Okay, let's get into uh, this week's Star Trek episode from Enterprise Season 3, Similitude. Uh, for those uh, that don't recall, well, let me give you some background information. This episode first uh, was shown uh, back in 2003, in the fall of 2003. It's from the third season. And it basically uh, was an episode, uh, sort of a, a little bit of a Star Trek take on uh, stem, stem cell research, at least in my opinion, and cloning to a degree. This is the episode where uh, Trip, uh, played by Connor Trenier, uh has an accident in engineering, is severely injured, and Dr. Flock's uh, idea is he has all those little creatures in sickbay, and he has one that basically if you inject the sort of DNA and some uh, genetic material from something else, it will sort of replicate that uh, creature. Uh, and uh, basically he needs to do this for Trip, replicate Trip, 
to uh, sort of take some of Tripp's brain matter out, basically, and to repair what uh, damage has been done to him. Uh, the trick, of course, here is this creates basically another leave, living, leaving, <laughs> living, breathing uh, trip uh, that the crew has to interact with. And and the 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 little hitch in this is that these creatures, when they replicate their the, this other uh, being uh, that is uh, much like the original, the 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 new one only can last 15 days. They only live 15 days, so it's not like you create another creature and they live a normal lifespan. So. That is the overall plot. I, I think this is an excellent episode. Connor Chernier really shines in this. DePaul, Archer, they have a lot of good moments as well. This, to me, is is an example of how good Enterprise uh, is and was, uh, and that the people who basically dismissed it, I think, really didn't give it a shot, especially the later seasons. Again, I can't say that enough. By you know, in seasons three and four, I think the the show really started to shine, and unfortunately, that's when they had lost a lot of their viewers. I think by then, uh, this episode was written by Manny Cotto, who went on to uh, work on the TV show Twenty Four. Manny was also a very big Star Trek fan and brought a lot of really cool episodes. Uh, a really good fan who knew original Star Trek, knew Star Trek very well, and he used a lot of that knowledge to create some really good stories, and this is one of those. And this episode was also directed by LeVar Burton, of course, who played Geordi on TNG. So it gives you some background information, and let's get into uh, the clips. The most difficult test facing any captain, any crew, is the loss of a shipmate. We've come here to honor one of our own. From the time we knew him, he showed us just how much one life can truly matter. We will never forget what he did for us and for the ship he loved so much. We will go forward with renewed determination to complete this mission so that his sacrifice won't just have been for the people on this ship, but for all the citizens of Earth. Okay, yeah, that clip, of course, is at the very beginning of this episode. They do, uh, uh, you know, a fairly common television trick here, and they really pull you in at first in the teaser, the opening scene. Basically, it's in the engineering area, uh, shuttle, or not really engineering, is it? I guess it's where they launched the uh, their torpedoes at. Uh, I don't know if you call that engineering or not. Uh, but uh, they're uh, they're having a funeral, and it looks to be a trip is, is in one of these little... Uh, torpedo tube uh, casings uh, laying there looking pretty dead so and then the next uh, of course after the intro music and theme they come back and it's they they flash across the screen two weeks earlier so now you're of course hooked into you know what's going on here did they kill off trip and of course the trick here is by the end of the episode you uh, find out of course it's not really trip that's in that uh, torpedo casing it is the uh, created sort of clone of him that they end up calling Sim, who is in there. So, uh, but you know, the, the getting there, I guess, and how they that all happens is the interesting part. And there's a lot of ethical and moral, uh, and and dilemmas and questions that take place. Now, keep in mind, you know, the perspective of what's going on here. You know, Trip uh, gets injured, and I'm going to play a clip. I think that shows that next, or, or kind of, you'll hear that a little bit. Uh, but what's going on right now, you know, this is during this third season when the Zindi thing happened, that little initial attack happened on Earth, and the Enterprise is sent out into the Expanse to find out what's going on and to stop uh, this future threat of them. 
So they're on their own. They can't really get back to Earth, grab a new engineer if they need it. And so Archer, during the course of the third season, he, he really has to make a lot of decisions and do things that he probably wouldn't normally do. But given circumstances and the desperation and everything that's going on right then uh, during uh, that time of crisis puts him in a uh, a very difficult decision and he has to make decisions based on those circumstances you know under normal situations he probably wouldn't be doing some of the things he ends up having to do in this third season and this probably is is a good example of that uh, again the the next clip here will uh, will play for you is is part of uh, what happens here trip is basically trying to uh in, enhance the uh, the engines of enterprise get them a little more speed to uh to complete their mission to get move across the territory that they need to a lot a little bit quicker not a lot quicker but i guess a little and uh what he's trying to do uh pretty much works except they run into an area of space with all this uh matter and that disrupts the engines and the warp field and and causes an accident in engineering so listen to this clip And C deck. Emergency crews en route. Helm control is still down. Analysis. Some kind of polaric field, approximately 11,000 kilometers in diameter. Composition unknown. I'll need more time to complete a detailed scan. Is that what stopped us? It's a logical conclusion. Keep scanning. Numerous injuries throughout the ship, mostly minor except for one. Commander Tucker has been taking a sick bay. When we entered the field, nucleonic particles flooded the manifolds, causing the injector flare. If Commander Tucker hadn't shut down the reactor, we could have had a breach. How much time before we can get the engines back online? We're still running diagnostics. The damage is significant. It could take weeks. Commander Tucker is going to have his hands full. You'll be supervising the repairs. I've just come from sick bay. Trip's in a coma. He has extensive neural damage. Dr. Flock says we have to prepare for the possibility that Trip won't survive. So yeah, Enterprise is in pretty bad shape. They're stuck in this field of what looks like sort of mini asteroids, basically, and, and that's what disrupted the uh, test and their warp field and caused uh, the almost breach that happened in engineering. Trip jumps up there. Uh, disables the engines, pulls them out of warp, and basically causes this big explosion in engineering and injures himself pretty badly. And it's, um, you know, typical uh, Starfleet heroism at work there. He did what he had to do. But, of course, they're stuck in this area of space now, too, which is, which is not so good. There's this weird, uh, what do they call it, uh, nucleonic matter, or whatever they, they, the name they came up with for it, that starts to adhere itself to the Enterprise and messes up the ship pretty badly. So that is also taking place during this episode. Then the next clip we've got for you, this is uh, uh, Archer goes to sickbay, and Dr. Phlox has got an idea on how to save Trip, and this is what starts the whole uh, cloning idea. And uh, listen to this. The larvae has another, somewhat uh, more controversial property. When implanted with DNA from another species, it exactly replicates that species' life cycle, albeit at a rapidly accelerated rate. It becomes a clone. 
essentially, but one that is born, grows old, and dies in approximately 15 days. The Lysarians call them mimetic symbionts. They're a closely guarded secret. Very few people know of their existence. And you want to do this with Trip? Use his DNA to grow a symbiote? To harvest its neural tissue for a transplant. There's no guarantee that human DNA will stimulate a larvae's growth cycle, but uh, as it stands now, it may be Commander Tucker's only hope for survival. To ensure the tissue's compatibility, I'll have to wait until the symbiote reaches Commander Tucker's present physical age. Then I can excise the tissue from the non-critical region of the symbiote's cerebrum. It would experience no discernible side effects and should be able to live out its normal lifespan. It's 15-day lifespan. I don't make this proposal lightly, Captain, but I'm obligated to provide you with all available options. Yeah, that's uh, John Billingsley uh, as Dr. Phlox. He has a lot of good moments in this episode as well. They, re- they really utilize the actors, I think, in, in this uh, episode of Enterprise very, very well. They really... Uh, pull it out, uh, you know, or pour it on, or however you want to say it. I don't know what the right, the right term, but they do a great job, I think. Uh, Phlox, uh, Billingsley, Archer, T'Pol, and Connor, you know, all, all these characters, actors, and so forth, um, just really pull out uh, all the stops, and, and it really shows. Very emotional episode, I think. And the Doctor then, of course, uh, you know, he's got this idea, and, you know, this there's the, all this stuff, controversy, and I'm going to talk about this as we go through the episode the rest of the way, you know, about stem cell research on, on paralysis and, and other injuries that people have and the controversy of cloning and, and you know, what would you do? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. And like I said, again, Archer is stuck with a situation that's sort of a no-win situation. He has to get his engineer back. He has to get Enterprise fixed trip is the best he's really the only one capable of doing what they need done and and that's just the, the you know he's got to do that so uh the next clip here i'm going to play for you is a little scene in archer's uh ready room and it is discussing the situation and discussing what to do about uh trip and this idea that flox has regarding the lysarian procedure dr flox proposed i ask if you've reached a decision i approved it are you aware that the Lysarian Prime Conclave has banned the creation of symbiotes? We don't answer to the Lysarian Prime Conclave. Symbiotes are living, conscious entities. We'll be growing a sentient being for the sole purpose of harvesting tissue. I'm aware of the ethical implications. If we weren't in the expanse, maybe my decision would be different, but... We've got to complete this mission. Earth needs enterprise. Enterprise needs trip. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I, I'd agree. You know, I think it is about as simple as that. He he has to do again what he's got to do to get uh, his ship back going, and uh, he needs trip to uh, to complete the mission. And that um, it's it it's logical, and and to Paul, I think would would eventually agrees with that to a degree. To a degree. Agrees with to agree. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Concentrate. Uh, the next clip. This is a, uh, a nice little bit here where uh, Flox gets to do a little medical log report. Now, keep in mind, they, they 
sort of move through the early stages after they make the clone of Trip uh, as he grows up to approximately being the the Trip that we know in his age. And then they spend some more time at that point. Uh, but the early stages, Phlox is sort of a surrogate father figure for him. Keeps him in sick bay, feeds him, changes him, and you get to see that. And remember that uh, the character, Phlox's character, is a family man. He has uh, kids, wives, and so forth. So it uh, it really fits uh, pretty well, besides the fact that he's a doctor, but that he takes so good care of uh, what he dubs or how he dubs Sim, uh, where he names the symbiote Sim, which gets a little confusing, I guess. <laughs> But they couldn't. I wondered if they were ever thought about calling him. You know what? What's after Trip? You know, if you're, he was the the Charles the Tucker the third. He'd be the fourth. So they call him, you know, not Trip but fourth. I, I guess that really wouldn't work very well. I wonder if they thought that in the when they were creating this episode. But here's the medical log report by Doctor Flox. Chief Medical Officer's log. After much deliberation, I have finally thought of a name for this newest addition to our crew. It's all right, Sim. It's all right. Lucky for me, Denobulans require very little sleep. I'm at a loss to understand how human adults endure the REM cycle interruptions that accompany the teething stage. Though I knew what to expect, I can't help but be astonished by Sim's rapid physical development. A side note, I may have stumbled across an effective fertilizer for my horsic fern. Those who have never seen a living Martian can scarcely imagine the strange horror of its appearance. That's very good. Can we just skip to the part where the Martian machines attack? We just showed you this book. How do you know about the Martian machines? My mom read it to me. Your mom? Uh-huh. I think it's chapter 10. It's become quite evident that Sim's remarkable scholastic progress goes far beyond an aptitude for learning. You remember in things that happened to Trip when Trip was this age. So the older he grows... The more of Tripp's life he'll recall. There are some species that rely solely on genetic sequencing to pass on their cultural memories. Evidently, humans have a similar capacity. This could be an important discovery. He certainly possesses Commander Tucker's curiosity. This morning, he took a part of my medical tricorder. <laughs> so there is the uh, a real big point of this episode, is this sim that they're growing and that they've created to uh, help Trip out uh, also becomes basically... Uh, a mirror image or or an exact duplicate of Trip himself. He has all of his memories, pretty much. He has a few new ones, but he is essentially Trip. Again, you know, uh, he he knows everything that he knows and everything that that entails. You know, this is basically a friend, uh, a, a close friend of the captain of Archer, and has become very close to Paul throughout this season. Remember, uh, Trip was having a lot of trouble sleeping. He lost his sister in the attack on Earth by the Zindi, and that really made uh, things difficult for him. He started to go to T'Pol for this Vulcan, uh, they call it neurotherapy, but I call it the little Vulcan massage sessions. And, you know, they basically became very close or become very close throughout this season. And that that figures in a lot into this episode, and T'Pol is having a very hard time with the situation and, you know, what she knows is in store for uh, Sim in the future. The next clip, they they go back and forth, and uh, as he gets older, uh, you know, Phlox tells Archer that you really need to let this the symbiote know and this and Sim know what's what's in store for him, and that he's not really Trip, that he's a, a clone, a duplicate of Trip. 
So that that is involved in this uh, next clip, I think, for you that I will play. So I'm just some kind of copy of him. You're more than that, Sim. You have Tripp's memories. But you also have your own memories. The ones you're making here on Enterprise. How long have I lived here? You were born only four days ago. I feel older. It's hard to understand. I know. There's part of you. Something inside you. The trip needs. Dr. Flox is going to have to perform an operation. Will it hurt? Not at all. You won't feel a thing. Doctors always say that. When Flox says it, it's the truth. Can we go fix the model now? to say they they did an excellent job at at casting the younger versions of trip as far as the way they looked the way they talked and acted uh very very well done i I have to hand it to them they picked some really good people that fit uh what you would think uh, a young trip would be like down to his you know a little southern drawl a little bit of an accent there and actually they almost seem to bring it out a little bit more when they're younger and, you know, as uh, Tripp, when he's older, that, that accent only seems to come out occasionally and to a small degree. They almost overemphasize it when he's younger, which kind of makes sense, you know, in, to a degree. You would think that as he grew up, went to school, went away to Starfleet and things like that, that he may lose his local accent to a degree. So I'm not really an expert on languages and accents, but I think that makes sense to, to a little bit of a, of a degree. Let me say that word one more time. Anyway, let's move on. The The next clip is a pretty good one here, I think. This is a scene, a good scene between uh, the Sim and T'Pol. And again, like I said, they've become very close. And this is a, a good clip that really illustrates that. You know, he was really starting to enjoy those sessions with you. They were helping him sleep. I'm not sure that's the only reason. What do you mean? Was there ever anything between you and Tripp? If you're referring to a romantic relationship, no. The reason I ask is... Well... You're all I think about, if you know what I mean. And I'm not talking about an adolescent crush. That was... Well, that was two days ago. This is much more serious the way I feel about you. Anyway, what's driving me crazy is I don't know if these feelings are mine or his. I can't answer that. I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable. I just thought I should tell you this. Well, I still had the chance. Yeah, there's uh, good stuff in that scene there. Paul is really having trouble containing herself and her emotions. She uh, she has obviously been a you know uh, more than just you know helping Trip sleep in in those sessions. She has become very fond of him and attracted, I think, to him as well as obviously he for her. Of course, being a Vulcan, she you know probably can kind of control it and fight it off a little bit more than a 
than a southern little guy like Trip uh, can. And but again, it's it's the the idea here is you know they know this guy isn't going to be around, and, and it's and it's really killing him a lot. Uh, Archer to Paul, both of them especially. Uh, Archer, I noticed when I was watching this episode again yesterday, collecting up some clips here. He, he he slowly looks more and more haggard throughout this episode. His beard's growing. He looks like he's not sleeping. He he, he looks pretty messed up, and uh, and it really uh, helps, I think, make his character more uh, believable and more understandable. Uh, the, I wanted to mon- mention one little side plot here that I didn't really include in the clips or talk about. Uh, Trip, uh, well, not Trip. There I go confusing them. Sim comes up with a plan to pull Enterprise out of this. Uh, Polaric field. That's what it's called. The Polaric field that they're trapped in. He uses two of the shuttle pods. Uh, Malcolm and Mayweather go out in the shuttle pods and basically tow Enterprise out of the field. So there's another case of Trip or his his clone being uh, uh, instrumental in saving Enterprise. Pulls them out of the field and uh, causes those particles to fall off. Enterprise is pretty much okay at that point. Still needs a lot of repairs, but is all right, all right in their... Uh, they're out of the field that they were trapped into. The next clip here. There's another key point that happens in this episode. Uh, as uh, Dr. Flock said early on, he was he thought he'd be able to uh, harvest this, this neural material out of, uh, this brain material basically out of uh, the sim, and sim would still be able to sort of grow older and live out the rest of his, his limited 15-day lifespan. Well, in this next clip, you'll find out in here that uh, Flock's... Uh, realizes that that's not going to be the case, that this procedure will will basically essentially kill the sim. And uh, basically that's uh, not very good. I mean, they're, they're pretty upset by that. So listen to the clip. You wanted to see me? There's been a development. I'm listening. Sim won't survive the transplant. You could remove the tissue without harming him. That assessment was based on symbiotes grown from Mycerian DNA. My tests on Sim show that human-based symbiotes are not as resilient. If I excise the quantity of neural tissue I need to save Commander Tucker, Sim will die. I'm sorry, Captain. Yeah, so that's a little bit of a pickle, and you know, not to mention all the whole moral dilemmas that have had uh, come out in this episode. To, you know, now they're basically essentially asking uh, the Sim, the clone, uh, to lay down his life, uh, his very short life, but lay down part of his life for Trip. Uh, at first, he's resistant to that idea, which which is only natural, uh, and it, because the other part of this, even though. Uh, at first, they thought he'd only live 15 days. Uh, he discovers he does a little research on uh, this whole symbiote and Lasirian growing clone idea. Anyway, the sim does some research and finds out there's supposedly this enzyme floating around that could be synthesized that would maybe allow him to live out a normal uh, rest of his life. Uh, although the research is spotty and it's never really been tested in this kind of a circumstance, at least Dr. Flox tells him that. So there's there's very little guarantee that it would even work, but they they dangle that little that little thread, that little carrot out there, to to again make this more uh, uh, you know dramatic and more you know just more interesting, and and it, and it works. So ultimately, you know, it comes down to it's really Sim 
who has to make this decision, and he does. Uh, there's a couple clips I still have left here, though. The next one that I want to play for you is, is a good scene towards the end of the episode. This is in uh, Tripp's quarters. Sim just kind of naturally goes there, and Archer goes to talk to him a little bit about the whole situation. So listen to this clip. These are Tripp's quarters. Which is where I belong. I have his memories. I have his feelings. I have his body. How am I not Tripp? Commander Tucker is lying in sickbay. Then what am I? Just something you grew in a lab? Does that make it easier for you to condemn me to death? If you refuse to go through with this, you'll be condemning Trip to death. I didn't put him in a coma. No. But you can save him. In a way, I will. By saving myself. Flock says there's almost no chance that the enzyme will work. My life is at stake! Any chance is worth taking, but at what cost? It'll take a day to synthesize the enzyme. By that time, your neural tissue won't be compatible with Trips anymore. He'll die. I know. I can't let that happen. So what are you going to do? Drag me down to sick bay? Force me onto a bio bed at gunpoint? If you truly have all of Trips' memories, you know the answer to that. I don't have to tell you what's at stake. I must complete this mission. And to do that, I need Trip. Trip. I'll take whatever steps necessary to save him. Even if it means killing me. Even if it means killing you. You're not a murderer. Don't make me one. Great, great work there. Great scene. Uh, you know, these two, you know, the real trip, or even in this case, the sim of trip and Archer have been very good friends, uh, probably his closest friend for years. And it, it shows how hard this is for both of them. And, you know, it's it's just really good stuff. And I, and I, and I just have to tell everyone, you know, anyone that you meet and says, ah, oh, Enterprise, that wasn't all that good, you know. You show them this episode, show them those kinds of scenes, and I don't understand how they can even say that. So, got one more clip here to play for you. This uh, this is the scene that really, really just kind of sums it up for me and gets to me. This is a sort of trip into Paul's goodbye. And, uh, well, let me play the clip for you, and then we'll come back and uh, finish out talking about the episode. I just wanted to say how much your absence will affect the crew. How much it will affect me. I appreciate that. All in all, I guess I've had a pretty good life. I couldn't have asked for a better going away present. I'm sorry I doubted you, Doc. No need to apologize. You're serious. You see, I don't just remember Tripp's childhood. I remember mine. You made a damn good father. You were a damn good son. 
You said to me once that commanding a starship was what you were meant to do. I guess this is what I was meant to do. Good luck, Captain. Thanks. So uh, to Paul kisses trip goodbye. He goes to sick bay, and basically, you know, kind of says goodbye to the captain flocks and to his uh, his I guess brother in a way. Trip there laying on the bed. He says he owes him one, and just great episode. I I can't say enough of how how much I like this one. Uh, besides just sort of the the Star Trekky you know, ethical and moral dilemmas like they like to do on these kinds of shows and kind of related to present-day topics and things in the news. You know, just have some great performances and a great story. It just all works really well done. Can't uh, say enough about it. Maybe my, uh, you know, probably definitely one of my favorites of Enterprise and of this season especially. So uh, there you have Similitude uh, from the third season of Enterprise. Great episode. Definitely check it out. And you can watch it for the next few days streaming at com. So go check that out when you get a chance uh, on the forums it is. Okay, I'm going to take just a very short break here. and I'll come back with a collectible review. Our host, Rico, will be right back with more sci-fi goodness on Sci-Fi. Okay, folks, I'm back. Uh, talk about a uh, collectible here. I don't think I've covered this one before. I'm pretty sure I haven't. Uh, since I went to see that Alien Predator 2 movie a couple weeks back, I thought I'd talk about this one. This is another uh, item, another piece made by Master Replicas, uh, which uh, is still producing uh, things well outside the Star Wars license. Uh, they've got, uh, well, uh, you know, other licensees like aliens and although i'm not sure if they're still really making anything for them but of course star trek and other stuff anyway this item i got uh probably a couple of years ago now this is from uh the last alien versus predator movie it is sort of a a statue uh and a replica of that little alien uh predator hybrid that you see at the very end of the first alien versus predator movie it's uh it's the little chest burster thing that pops out of the predator that the alien has stuck in uh you know inside of them to grow uh, that uh when they leave uh on the ship and that's what sets up sort of the uh scene and and sets the stage for what happens in the second alien versus predator movie anyway it's a i guess a one-to-one uh, scale replica of that little alien predator hybrid that pops out chest burster kind of an ugly looking thing actually i believe i got this uh free I think uh, for people that buy a lot of things for Master Replicas, what they were typically doing, although I don't think they're doing this so much anymore, is each year you'd sort of get a gift. You'd get some kind of a gift from them. And it was usually a collectible, an artist proof, uh, which is basically a non-numbered item in uh, in the various collections that they did. And one year I got this, and it's uh, it's very cool. And it's a artist proof edition, which just means it's not numbered. But the actual prop replica, I guess, is the same. No real change there. It comes on a base. It's very nicely made and finished. Looks very cool. Kind of, uh, like I said, a not a great, you know, attractive-looking thing, but a, a very cool thing for 
people like me that enjoy uh, you know sci-fi movies and collectibles like this. So it's uh, nicely finished, very heavy piece, comes on a solid base with a little plaque and, and the usual things that you get with uh, these items from Master Replicas. And I'll have some photos up uh, in the collection gallery of it for you to take a look at. Uh, it's uh, kind of got these spotted uh, paint job on it, and, and it just looks really cool. They got all the teeth inside the mouth. Uh, because basically it looks like a chest burster from the Alien movies, but it's got these sort of big mouth and big teeth that the Predators have. So with, uh, I guess the Aliens have big teeth too. <laughs> but uh, it's a cool, neat thing, and uh, it's uh, it's neat to have and, and different. Uh, you know, it's nice to have some different things now and then, and not just a bunch of lightsabers and, and phasers and stuff. So check out the pictures in the collection gallery. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap up this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Uh, always check out the website, uh, the forums, treksinsci-fi.com, and just check out the various links there, a lot of good information. I try to post up things in the blog on the main page. Make sure to check out the podcast notes each week, too. You can get to that also from the main page. I usually put information about the podcast, things that I've talked about, places you can go to for more information, uh, all that kind of good stuff. And if you're still enjoying the podcast, still listening, uh, I would always appreciate a vote over at Podcast Alley or uh, a review up on iTunes. Uh, That's always great to see those. So please, uh, if you get a chance to put that stuff up, that would be uh, very cool. You can email me at treksf at gmail.com. That's the uh, email, the one I use for the podcast. Also, I think I mentioned the voicemail line earlier, 206-666-127. Always a way to contact me. Uh, I email uh, is probably the easiest, and I check it pretty often, but the voicemail also, those messages come through via my email as well. So those I will definitely listen to and uh, probably play on the show. I've got a few ideas for next week's podcast. Uh, I, I, I try to have it decided by this point in the uh, the show, but it always seems to uh, not happen. So just check the main website up in the corner there in the upper right corner. I, I'll usually post later today what next week's show is about. A couple of different ideas. It's probably going to be a, a, a different show next week, probably a non-Star Trek episode coverage one. i got a couple of uh, different shows I want to do, and I want to slide one in, I think, next week. So that's probably what will be happening then. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention is I am doing this other little mini podcast uh, called Attic of My Mind, which you can find more information about at atticofmymind.com. Uh, it's kind of just uh, on the road. I use this little portable mini recorder, usually about 10 minutes long, talking about different things. Uh, last show I did was talking about my little weekly trip to the comic book store and, and things like that. So kind of a fun little show, uh, very informal and, and a little quick and easy easier to do and, and, and less involved than doing this show. But uh, it's still fun, and if you enjoy hearing my uh, my dulcet tones uh, and uh, <laughs> my take on things in the world and that kind of stuff, you might want to check that out over at atticofmymind.com. So again, once again, I come to the end of another podcast, number 157. My goodness. Hey, uh, a little teaser for you. I, I'm I'm getting a little bit of an itch to do another video show. It's going to be still a while. I'm thinking maybe Podcast 175. What do you guys think? You'd like to see that again? Another video show? Anyway, we'll uh, we'll be talking about that more, I think, in the next uh, coming weeks and, and month or so. So until next time, everyone, have a great week. Uh, stay healthy out there. 
be careful on the roads. Uh, kind of crazy these these times of years with the weather and stuff. And uh, and I will be talking to you again very soon, probably next weekend. <laughs> bye bye for now. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is fine. This has been a Rick Dosty production. I will touch the sky, and I'm not gonna hold me down.